Section 4 of Stories by Foreign Authors, Russian Authors. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary Grenholm. Stories of Foreign Authors, Russian Authors, by Various. St. John's Eve by Nikolai Vasilievich Gogol. Translated by Isabel F. Hapgood, 1886. Related by the Sacristan of the Dakanka Church. Toma Grigorovich had a very strange sort of eccentricity. To the day of his death, he never liked to tell the same thing twice. There were times when, if you asked him to relate a thing afresh, behold, he would interpolate new matter, or alter it so that it was impossible to recognize it. Once on a time, one of those gentlemen, it is hard for us simple people to put a name to them, to say whether they are scribblers or not scribblers, but it is just the same thing as the usurers at our yearly fairs. They clutch and beg and steal every sort of frippery, and issue mean little volumes, no thicker than an ABC book, every month or even every week one of these gentlemen wormed this same story out of toma grigorovitch and he completely forgot about it but that same young gentleman in the pea-green caftan whom i have mentioned and one of whose tales you have already read i think came from poltava bringing with him a little book and opening it in the middle shows it to us Toma Grigorovitch was on the point of setting his spectacles astride of his nose, but recollected that he had forgotten to wind thread about them and stick them together with wax, so he passed it over to me. As I understand something about reading and writing, and do not wear spectacles, I undertook to read it. I had not turned two leaves when all at once he caught me by the hand and stopped me. Stop! Tell me first what you are reading! I confess that I was a little stunned by such a question. What? What am I reading, Toma Grigorovitch? These were your very words. Who told you that they were my words? Why, what more would you have? Here it is printed, related by such and such a sacristan. Speak on the head of the man who printed that. He lies, the dog of a Moscow peddler. Did I say that? That was just the same as though one hadn't his wits about him listen i'll tell it to you on the spot we moved up to the table and he began my grandfather the kingdom of heaven be his may he eat only wheaten rolls and makovniki with honey in the other world could tell a story wonderfully well when he used to begin on a tale you wouldn't stir from the spot all day but keep on listening he was no match for the storyteller of the present day when he begins to lie with a tongue as though he had had nothing to eat for three days so that you could snatch your cap and flee from the house as i now recall it my old mother was alive then in the long winter evenings when the frost was crackling out of doors and had so sealed up hermetically the narrow panes of our cottage she used to sit before the hackling comb drawing out a long thread in her hand rocking the cradle with her foot and humming a song which i seem to hear even now the fat lamp quivering and flaring up as though in fear of something lighted us within our cottage 
the spindle hummed and all of us children collected in a cluster listened to grandfather who had not crawled off the oven for more than five years owing to his great age but the wondrous tales of the incursions of the zaporozian cossacks the poles the bold deeds of podkava of polter kozak and sagadachny did not interest us so much as the stories about some deed of old which always sent a shiver through our frames and made our hair rise upright on our heads sometimes such terror took possession of us in consequence of them that from that evening on heaven knows what a marvel everything seemed to us if you chance to go out of the cottage after nightfall for anything you imagine that a visitor from the other world has lain down to sleep in your bed and i should not be able to tell this a second time were it not that i had often taken my own smock at a distance as it lay at the head of the bed for the evil one rolled up in a ball but the chief thing about grandfather's stories was that he never had lied in all his life and whatever he said was so was so i will now relate to you one of his marvellous tales i know that there are a great many wise people who copy in the courts and can even read out civil documents who if you were to put into their hand a simple prayer-book could not make out the first letter in it and would show all their teeth in derision which is wisdom these people laugh at everything you tell them such incredulity has spread abroad in the world what then why may god and the holy virgin cease to love me if it is not possible that even you will not believe me once he said something about witches what then along comes one of these headbreakers and doesn't believe in witches yes glory to god that i have lived so long in the world i have seen heretics to whom it would be easier to lie in confession than it would be to our brothers and equals to take snuff and those people would deny the existence of witches but let them just dream about something and they won't even tell what it was there's no use in talking about them st john's eve no one could have recognized this village of ours a little over a hundred years ago a hamlet it was the poorest kind of a hamlet half a score of miserable isbas unplastered badly thatched were scattered here and there about the fields there was not an enclosure or decent shed to shelter animals or wagons that was the way the wealthy lived and if you had looked for our brothers the poor why a hole in the ground that was a cabin for you only by the smoke could you tell that a god-created man lived there you ask why they lived so it was not entirely through poverty almost everyone led a wandering cossack life and gathered not a little plunder in foreign lands it was rather because there was no reason for setting up a well-ordered kata or a wooden house how many people were wandering all over the country crimeans poles lithuanians it was quite possible that their own countrymen might make a descent and plunder everything anything was possible in this hamlet a man or rather a devil in human form often made his appearance why he came and whence no one knew he prowled about got drunk and suddenly disappeared as if into the air and there was not a hint of his existence then again behold 
he seemed to have dropped from the sky and went flying about the streets of the village of which no trace now remains and which was not more than a hundred paces from dakanka he would collect together all the cossacks he met then there were songs laughter money in abundance and vodka flowed like water he would address the pretty girls and give them ribbons earrings strings of beads more than they knew what to do with it is true that the pretty girls rather hesitated about accepting his presence god knows perhaps they had passed through unclean hands my grandfather's aunt who kept a tavern at that time in which basavryak as they called that devil man often had his carouses said that no consideration on the face of the earth would have induced her to accept a gift from him and then again how avoid accepting fear seized on every one when he knit his bristly brows and gave a sidelong glance which might send your feet god knows whither but if you accept then the next night some fiend from the swamp with horns on his head comes to call and begins to squeeze your neck when there is a string of beads upon it or bite your finger if there is a ring upon it or drag you by the hair if ribbons are braided in it god have mercy then on those who owned such gifts but here was the difficulty it was impossible to get rid of them if you threw them into the water the diabolical ring or necklace would skim along the surface and into your hand there was a church in the village st pontella if i remember rightly there lived there a priest father athanasi of blessed memory observing that basavryk did not come to church even on easter he determined to reprove him and impose penance upon him well he hardly escaped with his life hark ye pandochi he thundered in reply learn to mind your own business instead of meddling in other people's if you don't want that goat's throat of yours stuck together with boiling kutya what was to be done with this unrepentant man father athanasi contented himself with announcing that anyone who should make the acquaintance of basavryuk would be counted a catholic an enemy of christ's church not a member of the human race in this village there was a cossack named Korts, who had a laborer whom people called peter the orphan perhaps because no one remembered either his father or mother the church starut elder it is true said that they had died of the pest in his second year but my grandfather's aunt would not hear to that and tried with all her might to furnish him with parents although poor peter needed them about as much as we need last year's snow she said that his father had been in Zaporozhye, taken prisoner by the Turks, underwent God only knows what tortures, and, having, by some miracle, disguised himself as a eunuch, had made his escape. Little cared the black-browed youths and maidens about his parents. They merely remarked that if he only had a new coat, a red sash, a black lambskin cap, with dandified blue crown on his head, a turkish sabre hanging by his side a whip in one hand and a pipe with handsome mountings in the other he would surpass all the young men but the pity was that the only thing poor peter had was a grey svitka with more holes in it than there are gold pieces in a jew's pocket and that was not the worst of it but this that courts had a daughter such a beauty as i think you can hardly have chance to see my deceased grandfather's aunt used to say 
and you know that it is easier for a woman to kiss the evil one and to call anybody a beauty without malice be it said that this cossack maiden's cheeks were as plump and fresh as the pinkest poppy when just bathed in god's dew and glowing it unfolds its petals and coquettes with the rising sun that her brows were like black cords such as our maidens buy nowadays for their crosses and ducats of the moscow peddlers who visit the villages with their baskets and evenly arched as though peeping into her clear eyes that her little mouth at sight of which the youths smacked their lips seemed made to emit the songs of nightingales that her hair black as the raven's wing and soft as young flax our maidens did not then plait their hair in clubs interwoven with bright pretty-hued ribbons fell in curls over her contouche her blouse ah may i never intone another alleluia in the choir if i would not have kissed her in spite of the gray which is making its way all through the old wool which covers my pate and my old woman beside me like a thorn in my side well you know what happens when young men and maids live side by side in the twilight the heels of red boots were always visible in the place where Padorka chatted with her petrus but courts would never have suspected anything out of the way only one day it is evident that none but the evil one could have inspired him petrus took it into his head to kiss the cossack maiden's rosy lips with all his heart in the passage without first looking well about him and that same evil one made the son of a dog dream of the holy cross caused the old greybeard like a fool to open the cottage door at that same moment Quartz was petrified dropped his jaw and clutched at the door for support those unlucky kisses had completely stunned him it surprised him more than the blow of a pestle on the wall with which in our days the music generally drives out his intoxication for lack of fuses and powder recovering himself he took his grandfather's hunting whip from the wall and was about to belabor peter's back with it when Padorka's little six-year-old brother ivas rushed up from somewhere or other and grasping his father's legs with his little hands screamed out daddy daddy don't beat petrus what was to be done a father's heart is not made of stone hanging the whip again upon the wall he led him quietly from the house if you ever show yourself in my cottage again or even under the windows look out petro by heaven your black moustache will disappear and your black locks though wound twice about your ears will take leave of your pate or my name is not terenci Kors. so saying he gave him a little taste of his fist in the nape of his neck so that all grew dark before petrus and he flew headlong so there was an end of their kissing sorrow seized upon our doves and a rumor was rife in the village that a certain pole all embroidered with gold with mustaches sabres spurs and pockets jingling like the bells of the bag with which our sacristan terrace goes through the church every day had begun to frequent corza's house now it is well known why the father is visited when there is a black-browed daughter about so one day Padorka burst into tears and clutched the hand of her Ivis. Ivis, my dear, 
ivis my love fly to petrus my child of gold like an arrow from a bow tell him all i would have loved his brown eyes i would have kissed his white face but my fate decrees not so more than one towel have i wet with burning tears i am sad i am heavy at heart and my own father is my enemy i will not marry that pole whom i do not love tell him they are preparing a wedding but there will be no music at our wedding ecclesiastics will sing instead of pipes and kobzas i shall not dance with my bridegroom they will carry me out dark dark will be my dwelling of maple wood and instead of chimneys a cross will stand upon the roof petro stood petrified without moving from the spot when the innocent child lisped out Padorka's words to him and i unhappy man thought to go to the crimea and turkey win gold and return to thee my beauty but it may not be the evil eye has seen us i will have a wedding too dear little fish i too but no ecclesiastics will be at that wedding the black crow will caw instead of the pope over me the smooth field will be my dwelling the dark blue clouds my roof-tree the eagle will claw out my brown eyes the rain will wash the cossack's bones and the whirlwinds will dry them but what am i of whom to whom am i complaining tis plain god willed it so if i am to be lost then so be it and he went straight to the tavern my late grandfather's aunt was somewhat surprised on seeing petrus in the tavern and at an hour when good men go to morning mass and she stared at him as though in a dream when he demanded a jug of brandy about half a pailful but the poor fellow tried in vain to drown his woe the vodka stung his tongue like nettles and tasted more bitter than wormwood he flung the jug from him upon the ground you have sorrowed enough cossack growled a bass voice behind him he looked round but of ugh what a face his hair was like a brush his eyes like those of a bull i know what you lack here it is then he jingled a leather purse which hung from his girdle and smiled diabolically petro shuddered <laughs> yes how it shines he roared shaking out ducats into his hand <laughs> and how it jingles and i only ask one thing for a whole pile of such shiners it is the evil one exclaimed petro give them here i am ready for anything they struck hands upon it see here petro you are ripe just in time to-morrow is st john the baptist's day only on this one night in the year does the fern blossom delay not i will await thee at midnight in the bearer's ravine i do not believe that chickens await the hour when the woman brings their corn with as much anxiety as petrus awaited the evening and in fact he looked to see whether the shadows of the trees were not lengthening if the sun were not turning red toward setting and the longer he watched the more impatient he grew how long it was 
evidently god's day had lost its end somewhere and now the sun is gone the sky is red only on one side and it is already growing dark it grows colder in the fields it gets dusky and more dusky and at last quite dark at last with heart almost bursting from his bosom he set out on his way and cautiously descended through the dense woods into the deep hollow called the bear's ravine basavroyek was already waiting there it was so dark that you could not see a yard before you hand in hand they penetrated the thin marsh clinging to the luxuriant thorn bushes and stumbling at almost every step at last they reached an open spot petro looked about him he had never chanced to come there before here basavroyek halted do you see before you stand three hillocks there are a great many sorts of flowers upon them but may some power keep you from plucking even one of them but as soon as the fern blossoms seize it and look not round no matter what may seem to be going on behind thee petro wanted to ask and behold he was no longer there he approached the three hillocks where were the flowers he saw nothing the wild steppe-grass darkled around and stifled everything in its luxuriance but the lightning flashed and before him stood a whole bed of flowers all wonderful all strange and there were also the simple fronds of fern petro doubted his senses and stood thoughtfully before them with both hands upon his sides what prodigy is this one can see these weeds ten times in a day what marvel is there about them was not devil's face laughing at me behold the tiny flower-bud crimsons and moves as though alive it is a marvel in truth it moves and grows larger and larger and flushes like a burning coal the tiny star flashes up something bursts softly and the flower opens before his eyes like a flame lighting the others about it now is the time thought petro and extended his hand he sees hundreds of shaggy hands reach from behind him also for the flower and there is a running about from place to place in the rear he half shut his eyes plucked sharply at the stalk and the flower remained in his hand all became still upon a stump sat basavroyek all blue like a corpse he moved not so much as a finger his eyes were immovably fixed on something visible to him alone his mouth was half opened and speechless all about nothing stirred ugh it was horrible but then a whistle was heard which made petro's heart grow cold within him and it seemed to him that the grass whispered and the flowers began to talk among themselves in delicate voices like little silver bells the trees wrestled in waving contention basavraik's face suddenly became full of life and his eyes sparkled the witch has just returned he muttered between his teeth see here petro a beauty will stand before you in a moment do whatever she commands if not you are lost forever then he parted the thorn bush with a knotty stick and before him stood a tiny isba 
on chicken's legs as they say basavraik smote it with his fist and the wall trembled a large black dog ran out to meet them and with a whine transforming itself into a cat flew straight at his eyes don't be angry don't be angry you old satan said basavraik employing such words as would have made a good man stop his ears behold instead of a cat an old woman with a face wrinkled like a baked apple and all bent into a bow her nose and chin were like a pair of nutcrackers a stunning beauty thought petro and cold chills ran down his back the witch tore the flower from his hand bent over and muttered over it for a long time sprinkling it with some kind of water sparks flew from her mouth froth appeared on her lips throw it away she said giving it back to petro petro threw it and what wonder was this the flower did not fall straight to the earth but for a long while twinkled like a fiery ball through the darkness and swam through the air like a boat at last it began to sink lower and lower and fell so far away that the little star hardly larger than a poppy seed was barely visible here croaked the old woman in a dull voice and basavraik giving him a spade said dig here petro here you will see more gold than you or courts ever dreamed of petro spat on his hands seized the spade applied his foot and turned up the earth a second a third a fourth time there was something hard the spade clinked and would go no farther then his eyes began to distinguish a small iron-bound coffer he tried to seize it but the chest began to sink into the earth deeper farther and deeper still and behind him he heard a laugh more like a serpent's hiss no you shall not see the gold until you procure human blood said the witch and led up to him a child of six covered with a white sheet indicating by a sign that he was to cut off his head petro was stunned a trifle indeed to cut off a man's or even an innocent child's head for no reason whatever in wrath he tore off the sheet enveloping his head and behold before him stood ivas and the poor child crossed his little hands and hung his head petro flew upon the witch with the knife like a madman and was on the point of laying hands on her what did you promise for the girl thundered basavraik and like a shot he was on his back the witch stamped her foot a blue flame flashed from the earth it illumined it all inside and it was if moulded of crystal and all that was within the earth became visible as if in the palm of the hand ducats precious stones and chests and kettles were piled in heaps beneath the very spot they stood on his eyes burned his mind grew troubled he grasped the knife like a madman and the innocent blood spurted into his eyes diabolical laughter resounded on all sides misshaped monsters flew past him in herds the witch fastening her hands in the headless trunk like a wolf drank its blood all went round in his head collecting all his strength he set out to run 
everything turned red before him the trees seemed steeped in blood and burned and groaned the sky glowed and glowered burning points like lightning flickered before his eyes utterly exhausted he rushed into his miserable hovel and fell to the ground like a log a death-like sleep overpowered him two days and two nights did petro sleep without once awakening when he came to himself on the third day he looked long at all the corners of his hut but in vain did he endeavor to recollect his memory was like a miser's pocket from which you cannot entice a quarter of a kopeck stretching himself he heard something clash at his feet he looked two bags of gold then only as if in a dream he recollected that he had been seeking some treasure that something had frightened him in the woods but at what price had he obtained it and how he could by no means understand kor saw the sacks and was mollified such a petrus quite unheard of yes and did i not love him was he not to me as my own son and the old fellow carried on his fiction until it reduced him to tears Pedorka began to tell him how some passing gypsies had stolen ivas but petro could not even recall him to such a degree had the devil's influence darkened his mind there was no reason for delay the pole was dismissed and the wedding feast prepared rolls were baked towels and handkerchiefs embroidered the young people were seated at table the wedding loaf was cut banduras cymbals pipes cobsy sounded and pleasure was rife a wedding in the olden times was not like one of the present day my grandfather's aunt used to tell what doings how the maidens in festive headdresses of yellow blue and pink ribbons above which they bound gold braid in thin chemisettes embroidered on all the seams with red silk and strewn with tiny silver flowers in morocco shoes with high iron heels danced the gorlitza as swimmingly as peacocks and as wildly as a whirlwind how the youths with their ship-shaped caps upon their heads the crowns of gold brocade with a little slit at the nape where the hairnet peeped through and two horns projecting one in front and another behind of the very finest black lambskin in contusias of the finest blue silk with red borders stepped forward one by one their arms akimbo in stately form and executed the gopak how the lads in tall cossack caps and light cloth svitkas girt with silver embroidered belts their short pipes in their teeth skipped before them and talked nonsense even courts could not contain himself as he gazed at the young people from getting gay in his old age bandura in hand alternately puffing at his pipe and singing a brandy-glass upon his head the greybeard began the national dance among loud shouts from the merrymakers what will not people devise in merry mood they even began to disguise their faces they did not look like human beings they are not to be compared with the disguises which we have at our weddings nowadays 
what do they do now why imitate gypsies and moscow peddlers no then one used to dress himself as a jew another as the devil they would begin by kissing each other and ended by seizing each other by the hair god be with them you laughed till you held your sides they dressed themselves in turkish and tartar garments all upon them glowed like a conflagration and then they began to joke and play pranks well then away with the saints an amusing thing happened to my grandfather's aunt who was at this wedding she was dressed in a voluminous tartar robe and wine-glass in hand was entertaining the company the evil one instigated one man to pour vodka over her from behind another at the same moment evidently not by accident struck a light and touched it to her the flame flashed up poor aunt in terror flung her robe from her before them all screams laughter jest arose as if at a fair in a word the old folks could not recall so merry a wedding Pedorka and petrus began to live like a gentleman and lady there was plenty of everything and everything was handsome but honest people shook their heads when they looked at their way of living from the devil no good can come they unanimously agreed whence except from the tempter of orthodox people came this wealth where else could he get such a lot of gold why on the very day that he got rich did basavryuk vanish as if into thin air say if you can that people imagine things in fact a month had not passed and no one would have recognized petrus why what had happened to him god knows he sits in one spot and says no word to anyone he thinks continually and seems to be trying to recall something when Podorka succeeds in getting him to speak he seems to forget himself carries on a conversation and even grows cheerful but if he inadvertently glances at the sacks stop stop i have forgotten he cries and again plunges into reverie and again strives to recall something sometimes when he has sat long in a place it seems to him as though it was just coming just coming back to mind and again all fades away it seems as if he is sitting in the tavern they bring him vodka vodka stings him vodka is repulsive to him someone comes along and strikes him on the shoulder but beyond that everything is veiled in darkness before him the perspiration streams down his face and he sits exhausted in the same place what did not Pedorka do she consulted the sorceress and they poured out fear and brewed stomach-ache to pour out fear is done with us in case of fear when it is desired to know what caused it melted lead or wax is poured into water and the object whose form it assumes is the one which frightened the sick person after this the fear departs sonya schnitzna is brewed for giddiness and pain in the bowels to this end a bit of stump is burned thrown into a jug and turned upside down into a bowl filled with water which is placed on the patient's stomach after an incantation he is given a spoonful of this water to drink but all to no avail 
and so the summer passed many a cossack had mowed and reaped many a cossack more enterprising than the rest had set off upon an expedition flocks of ducks were already crowding our marshes but there was not even a hint of improvement it was red upon the steppes ricks of grain like cossacks caps dotted the fields here and there on the highway were to be encountered wagons loaded with brushwood and logs the ground had become more solid and in places was touched with frost already had the snow begun to besprinkle the sky and the branches of the trees were covered with rime like rabbit skin already on frosty days the red-breasted finch hopped about on the snow heaps like a foppish polish nobleman and picked out grains of corn and children with huge sticks chased wooden tops upon the ice while their fathers lay quietly on the stove issuing forth at intervals with lighted pipes in their lips to growl in regular fashion at the orthodox frost or to take the air and thresh the grain spread out in the barn at last the snow began to melt and the ice rind slipped away but petro remained the same and the longer it went on the more morose he grew he sat in the middle of the cottage as though nailed to the spot with the sacks of gold at his feet he grew shy his hair grew long he became terrible and still he thought of but one thing still he tried to recall something and got angry and ill-tempered because he could not recall it often rising wildly from his seat he gesticulates violently fixes his eye on something as though desirous of catching it his lips move as though desirous of uttering some long-forgotten word and remains speechless fury takes possession of him he gnaws and bites his hands like a man half crazy and in his vexation tears out his hair by the handful until calming down he falls into forgetfulness as it were and again begins to recall and is again seized with fury and fresh tortures what visitation of god is this Podorka was neither dead nor alive at first it was horrible to her to remain alone in the cottage but in course of time the poor woman grew accustomed to her sorrow but it was impossible to recognize the Podorka of former days no blush no smile she was thin and worn with grief and had wept her bright eyes away once some one who evidently took pity on her advised her to go to the witch who dwelt in the bear's ravine and enjoyed the reputation of being able to cure every disease in the world she determined to try this last remedy word by word she persuaded the old woman to come to her this was st john's eve as it chanced petro lay insensible on the bench and did not observe the newcomer little by little he rose and looked about him suddenly he trembled in every limb as though he were on the scaffold his hair rose upon his head and he laughed such a laugh as pierced Podorka's heart with fear i have remembered remembered he cried in terrible joy and swinging a hatchet round his head he flung it at the old woman with all his might the hatchet penetrated the oaken door to Varshuk, about three inches and a half. 
the old woman disappeared and a child of seven in a white blouse with covered head stood in the middle of the cottage the sheet flew off ivas cried pidorka and ran to him but the apparition became covered from head to foot with blood and illumined the whole room with red light she ran into the passage in her terror but on recovering herself a little wished to help him in vain the door had slammed to behind her so securely that she could not open it people ran up and began to knock they broke in the door as though there was but one mind among them the whole cottage was full of smoke and just in the middle where petrus had stood was a heap of ashes from which smoke was still rising they flung themselves upon the sacks only broken potsherds lay there instead of ducats the cossacks stood with staring eyes and open mouths not daring to move a hair as if rooted to the earth such terror did this wonder inspire in them i do not remember what happened next Padorka took a vow to go upon a pilgrimage collected the property left her by her father and in a few days it was as if she had never been in the village whither she had gone no one could tell officious old women would have dispatched her to the same place whither petro had gone but a cossack from kiev reported that he had seen in a cloister a nun withered to a mere skeleton who prayed unceasingly and her fellow villagers recognized her as pidorka by all the signs that no one had ever heard her utter a word that she had come on foot and had brought a frame for the icon of god's mother set with such brilliant stones that all were dazzled at the sight but this was not the end if you please on the same day that the evil one made way with petrus basavryak appeared again but all fled from him they knew what sort of bird he was none else than satan who had assumed a human form in order to unearth treasures and since treasures do not yield to unclean hands he seduced the young that same year all deserted their earth huts and collected in a village but even there there was no peace on account of that accursed basavryak my late grandfather's aunt said that he was particularly angry with her because she had abandoned her former tavern and tried with all his might to revenge himself upon her once the elders were assembled in the tavern and as the saying goes were arranging the precedence at the table in the middle of which was placed a small roasted lamb shame to say they chattered about this that and the other among the rest about various marvels and strange things well they saw something it would have been nothing if only one had seen it but all saw it and it was this the sheep raised his head his goggling eyes became alive and sparkled and the black bristling moustache which appeared for one instant made a significant gesture at those present all at once recognized basavryak's countenance in the sheep's head my grandfather's aunt thought it was on the point of asking for vodka the worthy elders seized their hats and hastened home another time the church starus himself who was fond of an occasional private interview with my grandfather's brandy-glass 
had not succeeded in getting to the bottom twice when he beheld the glass bowing very low to him satan take you let us make the sign of the cross over you and the same marvel happened to his better half she had just begun to mix the dough in a huge kneading trough when suddenly the trough sprang up stop stop where are you going putting its arms akimbo with dignity it went skipping all about the cottage you may laugh but it was no laughing matter to our grandfathers and in vain did father athanasi go through all the village with holy water and chase the devil through all the streets with his brush and my late grandfather's aunt long complained that as soon as it was dark some one came knocking at her door and scratching at the wall well all appears to be quiet now in the place where our village stands but it was not so very long ago my father was still alive that i remember how a good man could not pass the ruined tavern which a dishonest race had long managed for their own interest from the smoke-blackened chimneys smoke poured out in a pillar and rising high in the air as if to take an observation rolled off like a cap scattering burning coals over the step and satan the son of a dog should not be mentioned sobbed so pitifully in his lair that the startled ravens rose in flocks from the neighboring oak wood and flew through the air with wild cries end of st john's eve recording by gary grenholm